0: Post your free job on linkedin.com/achieve slash today. From 1047 WHUP LP Hillsboro, this is She and Her. She and Her. I'm Anita Rao. And I'm Sandra Davidson. Thank
1: you guys for listening tonight. So we are about to roll out a really special bonus episode. We've been struggling to call it a bonus episode because it's, it's a prologue to a show that we're doing next week that matters a lot to both of us. If you've listened to the show before, you know that we like to bring in some of our best women friends on the show to talk about their lives. And next week, one of Anita's oldest best friends in the world in her life mm-hmm. um, will be joining us to reflect on her experience of losing her mother four years ago.
0: Yes. um, So the best friend that we're talking about here is Georgia Flaum. And Georgia and I met the summer after fifth grade at a photography workshop, um, and we became instant friends. Her laugh and warmth drew us close at the beginning, and our shared neuroses, sense of humor and curiosity about the world have kept us close ever since. She can quote every single Woody Allen movie that has ever been made. It's a pretty (laughs) special skill. Um, so you'll learn a lot more about her next week, and you'll learn more about her mother, Lauren, who was an incredible force of nature um, and a second mother to me and many others, um, many of my women friends. We spent countless hours in George's kitchen talking to Lauren about our lives and our families, asking her for life advice. Um, and as it happened, in the last few months of Lauren's life, she had a long, long battle with cancer, which you'll hear about shortly. Um, In the last few months of her life, I was working in the production department of StoryCorps, which is a national oral history project that records interviews between loved ones around the country. And one of the initiatives at StoryCorps is called Legacy. And it's an initiative that encourages people to have end-of-life conversations with loved ones. So I talked with Georgia a lot about StoryCorps and my experience there. We are both living in New York together and had told her about this particular project and asked if she and her mom wanted to participate. Um, They were both very on board and excited to have this conversation. As it turned out, um, that you'll also learn more about next week, um, it was one of the few times in the last month or so of Lauren's life that Georgia and she were really able to sit down and sort of look at some of these end-of-life issues head-on. So it ended up being sort of an important moment for Georgia. So um, I took some recording equipment from New York and microphones, and we sat on Lauren's bed in Iowa City um, and recorded... A StoryCorps interview, and we wanted to share a portion of that conversation with you all before um, you hear more from Georgia next week to give you a sense of who Lauren is, to sort of hear how she talks, um, and to get a feel for the depth of her relationship with Georgia. And next week, Georgia will join us to talk about um, the four years since her mom's death and reflect on the grieving process. So here we go, um, a conversation between Lauren and Georgia Flown. Do you look at your life differently now
1: than before you were diagnosed? Yes, absolutely.
0: I I look at my life
2: now as having been defined by cancer. It becomes a defining factor in your adulthood when it's the primary force that defines everything that you do and limits so much of what you can do. So many things that I missed and wasn't able to get to, family events. and I mean, I got to some, but there were a lot that I missed.
1: You got to most.
2: I got to most but I didn't get to some important things. Yeah.
1: When you were first diagnosed in um 95 were you hopeful or did you think that that was going to be the end?
2: Both, I think. You know, you have to sort of hope for the best and expect the worst. That kind of becomes the motto. It was a very aggressive prognosis. I didn't think I'd make it through elementary school by any means. So, they got it wrong. <laughs> yeah. You know, it turned out to be a relatively rare manifestation of breast cancer I knew my mom would be just profoundly profoundly upset I was the youngest and at first I didn't know I was going to need chemo or lose my hair or anything like that they kind of give it to you in little pieces they don't give it to you all at once
1: I remember dad had pneumonia like uh-huh. that year and I remember thinking that it was just uh-huh. like pneumonia because it must have been the way uh-huh. that you had described it he was in bed for like yeah. a month I just remember him in his bathrobe yeah, me too. <laughs> Who has been the biggest influence on your life, and what lessons did that person teach you? Well, the truth of the
2: matter is that my friend Louise has been the biggest influence in my life. Louise made a commitment to me the first time I met her. We were sitting in the Owl. i just moved here, and Louise just walked over to me, and she was wearing this shirt that had, like, batik-printed cars and fish on it. And I just said, nice shirt. And she said, Seattle Goodwill. (laughs) And that was the beginning. And she is just a very large person in heart and mind and spirit, just larger
1: than anyone I'd known. What lessons did you learn from her? I
2: learned that commitment is the cornerstone of life.
1: You've always told me that. I think about that a lot. I think what you taught me about commitment is that the decision to make the commitment Uh is the most important thing. And it's almost like you throw yourself in there with blind faith and then once you've made that decision, you'll find that you're strong enough to go through with it.
2: I like that. There's that line from Sunday in the Park with George that says, the choice may have been mistaken, the choosing was not. So you can't just wallow around undefined and undrawn in life. You have to make a choice. And Maybe it was the wrong choice, but at least you chose. But not choosing is not living, and not committing is not living.
1: What are some of your favorite memories of me?
2: Oh, that's easy. Um, Well, I remember you being born so well. like It was yesterday, and then they gave you to me, and we didn't know if you were a boy or a girl, and I was extremely happy to have a girl. And then when you were little, we had a lot of fun because it was just the two of us. We used to go around Iowa City, and you were a very big talker very early. Really? Well, I told you, you used to say hello. (laughs) I thought, hi, hi. It's like six months. (laughs) And I remember you'd be in a backpack, like your head above mine. And you'd be just saying hi to
1: people, (laughs) like chirping out. So, like, not only did I know how to say the word, I knew when to use it. Yes, that's correct.
2: I just found the purity of all that early childhood really beautiful music and dancing and you know those are beautiful times I'm not saying that they're purely beautiful there are plenty of anxiety with him and get this kid away from me she's driving me crazy I want to be by myself for a while but all in all I really liked being a mother Um, I like being a mother to you
1: I think my favorite memories are like how proud I was to have you as my mom when my friends would come over and you would just be the person that they wanted to talk to and just you and dad together that you just provided like so much love and support to everyone that I brought into our lives. And it just made me feel really lucky and really proud that like I got to claim you as my parents. Every Friday night, this was just the place to be. Aww. And that, like, no matter how you were feeling, really, or what else was going on, you would always cook. And I just, I took advantage of it. I mean, I never... You did. You <laughs> yeah. said, like, I got five people coming for dinner. I really like did. <laughs> just, like, as someone who cooks for people now, I can't even <laughs> imagine what that was feeling. But at the same time, I know how gratifying it is right. to be able to provide for that many people. And, like, you know what an impact you're making.
2: Well, I'm so happy that that's a good memory and I hope that you keep it going in your own life in some way,
1: you know. You just always gave the best advice in every situation. I felt so close to you because you were always so non-judgmental. I wasn't afraid to come to you about things that I was unsure of because I knew that you were experienced with life and Mm -hmm. you knew that following the rules wasn't always going to be the best thing to do. And I couldn't always take it, but I always listened.
2: I still don't pretend to know. You know, that's the thing about advice. It's like all you have is your own experience. And then to pretend that that experience is somehow right or wrong, then that's where the judgment comes in.
1: Yeah. What do you think I should do when I want to ask you for advice and you're not there anymore?
2: Ask anyway. (laughs) See what happens. I'm not far, I swear. How far could I be? Just ask, just ask, okay? Just say, Ma. (laughs) You could get mad if I don't answer right away. (laughs) So then you could yell and I could hear you better. (laughs) I don't know. I want you to find the things that give you happiness and pleasure and I want you to have the life that allows you to do them. And I think you know what a lot of those are, and some are undiscovered still, and some are forgotten and will be rediscovered. Yeah. I hope that you um, maintain a relationship with Chester, and that it grows over time, and don't expect it to be wonderful or perfect, but it's just important that there's something there, that you can have a laugh with him and cry when you have to, and... Be together to take care of Dad when I go, you know. He's going to be really lonely. So just try to keep expectations real and know that life is not your dreams and hopes and fairy tale words. It's just whatever is right in front of you. That's it. So you got to make the most of it.
1: Yeah. What's, like, the wisdom that you'd pass on?
2: I think the wisdom is try to be truthful and try to keep your sense of humor. <laughs> it's crazy that that's what it comes down to. But without that, it's just so morbid. And everything's got a laugh in it eventually. And it feels good to laugh. It really does. It relieves so much.
1: Yeah. Do you think that you'd ever feel like ready to let go?
2: I do. Yes, I do. Because I've been sick for so long. Yeah. And I've been suffering for so long that I look forward to it in some ways. I, Sometimes I think it's just like a peaceful, you know, and you sort of just float out and hopefully everyone will be at peace around me. Some kind of peace. Yeah. I'm really glad that you came and that you're going to stay for a while.
1: I think that I've been putting this off for a long time because I was afraid, but it finally felt like time to just face it and. I think that during this month I'll have things that I want to ask you and, you know, thoughts that are going through my head. But I just wanted to tell you that, like, I mean, maybe everyone says that their mom is the best mom, but I have (laughs) objective proof. (laughs) And I just want to thank you for everything that you've given me. And I love you. I love you. (laughs) And i love to give to you and I won't stop. That's a clip from a StoryCorps conversation between Lauren and Georgia Flaum. Lauren passed away on July 2nd, 2012, and Georgia will be with us next week to reflect on her mother's death
0: and how it's shaped her life in the past four years. Thanks so much for listening. Um, and while you wait for next week's episode, be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at She and Her Radio. We're going to be giving you some behind the scenes updates and sharing photos. Um, and we look forward to sharing more of Georgia and Lauren's story with you all next week. Take care.